Hello, everyone. I'm Vern Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits. Welcome to Plant Profits. Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. Look, my next guest is an accomplished marketer. She's an executive in emerging industries, including cryptocurrencies, regulated cannabis, online gaming, with success in B2B and B2C markets. I'm always excited to bring marketers onto the program because it's such a big part of our overall discussion and vision for the industry. And uh, my guest today is Courtney Wu, who is the CEO and the co-founder of Highlight by Amnesia. And uh, Courtney, how are you? Good, good to see good, you again. You. Good to see you again. It's been a few years, but I guess yeah. that's probably a common statement nowadays. And thank you so much for having me on. Here. Oh, my pleasure. You know, the topic that you and I are going to eventually get into here is, is so apparent. And um, you're, you're stepping uh, with your uh, product highlight. You're stepping right in a place that, that needs uh, some real attention uh, and necessary to create brands, right? Yeah. So this is this is a, a totally a, a big deal. But hey, we we really want to get to know you a little bit um, and and kind of just see how this all began and and you know where did Courtney Wu get her beginnings? Now I'm guessing it's <laughs> California. It is. I'm 100% a California native and kid. Grew up in San Francisco. Okay. Uh, really close to Chinatown. So definitely had did that. Did you really? Yeah. Yeah. In definitely. the city. Yeah. In the city. Uh, uh -huh. Apparently, we are kind of uh, unicorns nowadays. Not not that type of unicorn, but unicorns yeah. like locals who grew up in SF are definitely unicorns now, nowadays. So yeah, I grew up in Chinatown. My family had been there for a couple generations. Oh, that so, yeah, is very much so a California native. cool. Do you still have your roots in the city? Yes, I very much do. So my family's there. They immigrated, you know, mm -hmm. in probably my grandparents' generation. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of that, uh, I pretty much spent a lot of my time there, including I would do a lot of volunteer work in the summer with the kids in summer camp there. So oh, cool. very much grew up in the city and, and had the ability to kind of be exposed to all of that really early on as a kid. Yeah, that's really cool. You know, lessons of life. I've always learned that the way to really get to know someone is kind of understand their roots. And and you, you a couple generations, uh, several generations there in the city. So tell me about your grandparents. <laughs> my grandparents, you know, on both sides of my family, you know, we had different waves of immigration coming into the city. So my dad's yeah. side, my dad himself was actually the immigrant. Okay. But for my mom, she was actually born in Utah. So my grandparents <laughs> were the ones that had immigrated here. And yeah. They did the whole thing where they moved to Utah to create a, to start a restaurant, actually. Really? You know, that was, An that entrepreneur. So that's, yeah, they wanted to, to, to start and begin a life for the family. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, as as so many other cultures and so many generations past made all the sacrifices to give us all the opportunities as the kids getting to grow up in San Francisco. And so uh, that I have to say, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for grandparents on both sides of my family, you know, really championing also being strong community members, yeah. too. So you know, as many cultures are when they come over here, it gets a little insular, but it's also to create support net for networks for one another. And um, on both sides of my family, that was something that they took very seriously. So, so would you say that that they were connectors in the community? Very much so. Really? I, I used to walk around Chinatown with my grandma and say that she was more <laughs> popular than I am because we just couldn't really go like, you know, even half a block without someone saying hello. That is cool. 
No, that that is that is cool. What lessons did you learn from your family? You know, I think one of the things is probably the lesson of hard work. Yeah. You know, they made a lot of sacrifices for us. Yeah. You know, my grandfather was a merchant marine, so okay. he was away at sea a lot, uh-huh. and he made sacrifices for us again to have more opportunities. But again, actually, not only the hard work, but also you know, we were very fortunate in our community. And so really understanding, you know, my grandparents sent a lot of money back to China to try and support where they came from. And so mm-hmm. again, feeling a lot of social responsibility to the community and working and supporting one another. And I think uh, always, especially with my grandmother, be very grateful for the lessons I learned from her about that. Oh, that's great. Now, do you have siblings? I have a half sibling, but not really. So, but I I did grow up with my cousins. We very much had the prototypical kind of Asian household where everyone's growing up together. Yeah. You know, we have that in common. I grew up with my cousins. I I don't have a sibling uh, per se, but I I have cousins that I consider siblings almost, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, And I don't know about you, but I I don't know if you feel similarly to uh, to me, but I always feel like I was really lucky to have that because you get that experience of having siblings. And again, you get to have that community with you. Yeah. You know, that is, that is so true. And, and, and most people, you know, uh, only children have this uh, stigma, right? (laughs) Yeah, I, I know, but I've, I've done pretty well. Most people can't tell that I've been an only child. I, I try to do the same. <laughs> I do think that we all end up finding each other for whatever reason, though. Um, again, similarly, like, you know, you kind of hide it well. And then that's why I always say I'm really grateful for my cousins. So yeah. that, you know, again, I feel like I'm definitely getting the better end of the stick there. So, yeah, no, that, no, no doubt. Did you get a chance to travel uh, before college uh, a lot or was most of your inhabitants right in the city? everything you did when I when I was growing up um you know going back to actually my grandfather you know he he was in the U.S. before the U.S. and China relations opened up and so going back to China was a very big deal for my family because for instance my grandfather hadn't seen his mother in 30 years and and so it was as as a child it was really important for us and because my dad was an immigrant as well his my grandparents on that side were still in Taiwan and so it was a point for our family to kind of do this annual or you know every other year trek over to China and visit family members and see everybody but that was predominantly most of the traveling and that's still you know very fortunate to be able to even visit your family at that time but I didn't really start traveling really overseas until my first year of college, I yeah. think I really, or even high school, you know, later years of high school is when I really kind of started doing my own travel. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You learn a lot from travel and you just, it, it's very educational, you know, and it it's, 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 it's so cool. And I encourage, you know, kids to do some traveling, you know, if they can, because they learn so much about themselves and about other cultures. And, and there's, there's no better way than to be a, you know, spend time with different cultures than, than, you know, it's better than reading about them. I, I will say this, you oh, know, yeah. and, and, you know, and you, you get to experience things and you get to, to, to uh, deal with people one-on-one now. Uh, so growing up, UC Davis was a big part of your life now. Uh, so you had to come out. I mean, you had to come out of the city to, <laughs> to go out to UC Davis. Yeah. So why UC Davis? You did very well there. 
I, you know, I, I went to UC Davis. I was pretty much, again, just to kind of, uh, uh-huh. you know, and actually going back to your point of traveling, mm-hmm. I think, again, I do always encourage young people to do that. And again, you don't have to do it expensive. I stayed in a lot of hostels in my time. That's where you meet the most people. Yeah. And ultimately, I think one of the biggest takeaways is that everyone is lovely. There's most people in the world are good people. Like, and yeah. that doesn't matter what culture you come from. That is uh, true. But, you know, UC Davis for me, just going back to that, uh, mm-hmm. it was, I was very much your stereotypical Asian kid that was pushed to be a pre-med, you know, medical student. And so Davis okay. was where I wanted to go. Okay. Uh, I, you know, had applied to art school and had been accepted, but was firmly denied by my family for going. <laughs> denial, it was an in-house denial. It was an in-house denial, yeah. <laughs> in-house denial. And so, you know, as you mentioned, I, I did a lot at Davis. I essentially, you know, satisfied the requirements of, hey, you know, you have to you have to study bio, you have to do the pre-med thing. And I decided, well, you know, anything over 15 units is free. So I can just stack on more classes. And I ended up doing another major in uh, history. I'm yeah. focusing on the history of the legal system uh, in the Western world, as well as uh, then looking at the development of uh, romantic languages just kind of for fun (laughs) just really random things across the board but to be honest that's actually where I got my first taste of public health okay and that was really that's still foundational to what we do today at ME so but uh, I really decided I was again on that pre-med track uh, decided to do an internship in public health and health education as part of my you know uh, in tandem with my lab work to try and get into medical school but I really fell in love with public health at that point and it it really kind of changed the trajectory of my career and that was in Vallejo California (laughs) Planned Parenthood deal there yeah that was that was cool what'd you get out of that what 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 to happened honest, after you did that? I have a lot that. of respect for people who do health education. And I yeah. have to say, I just to be really honest, I couldn't cut it. It was really difficult. It's a hard job. Uh-huh. Um, it's one of those things where you really have the community um, was really beautiful and amazing. But sometimes you're confronted with a lot of things that make it feel like you can't actually do good at scale. And to be honest, the thing that, you know, pushed me out of that sector and industry was um, the bureaucracy and policies that I felt were actually really hurting these communities and creating a lack of access to healthcare. And, you know, looking at how these communities were funded by government policy uh, and grants and how those allocations work, you know, I actually became really frustrated that we couldn't actually um, create more support networks. And, you know, you're only one foot soldier on the ground, right? And that- And you do what you can. And so that's why I have a lot of respect for the people who are teachers, who are on the front lines doing all of those things, because sometimes the policies behind the scenes make it so much harder for you to actually do good and try to support the community in the way that the community needs, not what other outsiders are saying what the community needs. Yeah, that's got to be just so, so uh, overwhelming. I really appreciate you going there with me today. And we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back uh, shortly. I'm Vern Davis. This is Plant Profits. I'm your host. And my guest today is Courtney Wu, CEO and co-founder of uh, Highlight by Amnesia. We'll be right back. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Hey, welcome back. I'm Vern Davis. You're listening to Plant Profits. Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. My guest today, I'm having fun with Courtney Wu, CEO and co-founder of Highlight by America, Highlight by Amnesia. 
and a real cool product that she just launched a handful of days ago. And so we're really excited about it. And hey, Courtney, you know, we talked about you, you getting all you could get out of Davis and and the planned uh, parenthood experience of really trying to get into the medical thing and, and in the community, because community is what your family's been about the whole time. So that's awesome. But but you went off to London and did some more education. Tell me about that decision and what you got out of that. Yeah. So, you know, kind of that follow on to Davis was, again, my family still wanted me to go to medical school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my time at Planned Parenthood also, was also not only you know, to work in the community, but also to decide whether or not I wanted to pursue more of a clinical career or if I wanted to pursue something that was, again, more so within the public health space. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned, you know, one of the things why I, 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 like I said, I couldn't cut it in that space, you know, because of the frustration around regulations and bureaucracy and that impact to access to healthcare, mm-hmm. um, I decided I wanted to focus my master's actually on looking at policy development as it, as it uh, pertains to health. Okay. And so, uh, you know, and I don't know if many people know this, but some of the first public health care institutions in the world were actually from the UK and in London. And so I decided to pursue my master's here and focus on uh, the intersection of science, technology and medicine and and history and what that means for um, access to healthcare today. Oh, great. Great. And and then so you did that. Okay. Then you had decisions (laughs) to make. Right. Okay. you, so at some point you decided not to go to medical school. I definitely had at that point decided not to go to medical school. Cause again, if you think about things like public health, it has to right. factor in so many things, right? Epidemiology, you're looking at clinical factors, you're looking at human behavior, you're looking at socioeconomic status, um, historical, you know, again, tr- whether that's trauma within a community or what have you, there's so many facets to health that are beyond the clinical environment. And to me, that's what was most fascinating. All that being said, I still wanted to stay in public health and actually, again, focus a lot on policy and access to healthcare. I, and but I also graduated at the peak of the recession in 2008, and so yeah, yeah. no one was really spending too much money on preventable, uh, preventative healthcare measures at that time. And so yeah. I ended up actually getting a, a, a job at Poker Stars randomly. Uh, which again, what? I think is one of the, yeah, exactly. You're kind of like, how did that happen? Yeah. And so what I must caveat is my career has been pretty circuitous. Like it's kind of gone in these roundabout ways, but I yeah. always kind of found my niche around regulations and policy. That is, that is uh, interesting. So you made this decision and your parents were good. No, <laughs> no, no. You know I, I mean? knew they weren't good. Yeah, exactly. I, I knew the answer to the question, but right. And, and, and you told us about how the economy had flipped. That sounds like the pitch you gave at home. Um, it 100% was the pitch, right? We look at a quote unquote, these vice categories and they're usually recession proof, right? Yeah. So, you know, what I could say was like, it's a good job, you know, and again, actually, I really, you know, the very beginning, some of the people that I, some of my colleagues from that company now from Poker Stars always joke, you know, yeah. you kept saying in the first year that you were there, I'm going to quit, I'm going to quit, I'm going back to public health, I'm going back to public health. But, you know, I was given, uh, you know, I had a really great mentor at public, uh, at Poker Stars. Yeah. And um, let's, that's, let's he's our advisor that. today. Okay. And he essentially, you know, really gave me the ability to kind of carve out my own niche within the pro and celebrity marketing department, which, again, I think a lot of folks look, you know, what does that look like? What kind of work does that look like? And I think Mm -hmm. what many people don't realize is actually um, pro and celebrity and endorsement strategy was a key part for us to grow the market in highly regulated and fragmented spaces. Let's slow down there. Let's slow down there because that's a real important point. 
tell us exactly what that means. You know, gambling and, you know, poker stars, it, again, you have various jurisdictions of regulation, right? So in the very beginning, when I first joined the industry, you know, it was still fairly gray, right? Kind of similar to a lot of cannabis, um, cannabis markets as well, where, you know, there's not that much clarity around the regulations. There's not much understood, you know, regulators, to be also frank, don't necessarily understand the industry well enough to regulate it effectively as well. That's a fair point. I mean, that's an important point right there. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And again, you know, when you again, part of what we were doing with our pro and celebrity marketing was really helping to build brands in very difficult spaces. So what you mm-hmm. could do in the Netherlands around marketing was not what you could do in Singapore or what you could do in Argentina, for example. Okay. Okay. And ultimately, again, uh, you know, I did carve out that niche of really focusing on how do we build brands in highly fragmented and regulated spaces. And so, again, kind of going back to that policy, passion for policy and impact, right? And so what does, how does policy impact access? How does policy actually create supportive networks? And, you know, again, PokerStars is always a very responsible actor in that space for the most part. And so I was very fortunate to also learn how they responsibly worked within regulated spaces. So were they already doing it at a level that was uh, appropriate? Or, and, and what was the effect of you being there? Right. Yeah. No, you know, again, um, when I joined the company, it wasn't as much of a nascent industry as what we're seeing in the cannabis space. Okay. And so when you talk about effective levels around being compliant or what have you in regulated spaces, I was very fortunate to benefit from being in a company where on day one, you signed up for a regulatory newsletter, right? Your first day, <laughs> they were like, you need to sign up for this newsletter. And so yeah. there was a very strong culture of compliance within the organization. There was a huge yeah. knowledge set, right? And kind of the, op- the whole company just really operated with a compliance first mentality. Sure. And so I benefited a lot. That being said, we were also there during um, what we call in the, in the gambling industry, Black Friday, when yeah. the DOJ did, did kick us out of the US. And so that was a very interesting time to essentially be working in the poker industry. Yeah, that, that industry was very valuable to you. Yes. Uh, you Immensely. know, when you look at the few years ago when you did that and and what you do today, um, again, you 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 kind of cut your teeth in an industry that's highly regulated, it's misunderstood and highly regulated, right? Uh, uh, you you have uh, competing forces on both sides uh, of that industry, and it sounds a lot like what we do in the cannabis industry uh, now, and 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 so. Uh, this this venture, um, you know, uh, amnesia wasn't the first. I mean, you you actually became the CMO of a um, uh, artisan on artisans on fire, right? And so, tell us about tell us about gaming to cannabis. <laughs> Help us cross that bridge, okay? It's a, it's a, actually a lot clearer than I think some people. <laughs> Think, um, which is, you know, uh, I had a colleague who was actually at, in the poker industry with me, who was actually the founder of Artisans on Fire. Okay. And so when, you know, I had finished, I actually took a bit of a hiatus, traveled for a couple of years. Okay. Um, and then, you know, was kind of figuring out what do I want to do as my next steps. And so uh, I had reached out and we were just chatting, just catching up. And he was like, why don't you become our CMO? You know, we can really use your help because you understand regulated spaces. At that time, they were preparing for the Nevada market 
market to be transition to adult use as well. Okay. And so uh, yeah. essentially I ended up working at Artisans on Fire as their CMO, not only in terms of trying to rebrand our own agency, but as well as really trying to help our clients go to market. Yeah. And one of the key things I, I have to say that it's a, it's not it's not the coolest moment, but I have to say it was maybe the dorkiest, but very exciting moment for me. <laughs> but I remember I was just driving one day to the office mm-hmm. and thinking, oh my God, this is like the confluence of all these things I care about. You know, I care about public health. I, you know, as much as I'm a gamer, I love video games. I, you know, yeah. I, I love poker, but I didn't really, I wasn't super passionate about it, if you will. Okay. Right? I was passionate about the regulations and the marketing side of things. Mm-hmm. But when it came to cannabis, because of my public health background, because I believe so much in what cannabis is for the community, that I just felt, I, I remember having this one moment in my car, just being like, you know, I'm so lucky that I've finally found what I think is a place where I can bring these skill sets together and, and hopefully make a difference. No, I, I tell you, uh, that's great. And we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about amnesia and the launching a few days ago of Highlight. So we're, we're really excited about that. I'm Vern Davis. You're listening to Plant Profits. I'm your host. And our guest today is Courtney Wu, CEO and co-founder of Highlight by Amnesia. We'll be right back. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Hey, welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Plant Profits, and I'm your host, Vern Davis. Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. And our guest today is Courtney Wu. She is the CEO and she is the co-founder of Amnesia, who created an artificial intelligence-based product called Highlight. Let's talk about that. How did that... How did that come about and what's the value? Pro- Tell us the value proposition of what you're, you've just launched. So Highlight by Amnesia is our AI-driven software that generates mm-hmm. in-depth compliance reports on content to show companies uh, what's putting them at risk when it comes to their content either with regulators, but also social media platforms. So again, I think all of our industry knows that Instagram is definitely a difficult space to operate in, but something that's so necessary for any sort of brands to build direct, meaningful relationships with their consumers. And so our AI essentially scans images, uh, videos, and text to make sure that you're in compliance with state regulations and platform best practices. No, that's, that's so important because if you fail, at being compliant, you lose the opportunity to communicate to your consuming public, right? Exactly. So if you think about the amount of time, so content, first of all, so again, we really kind of think of this as like we're reviewing content, right? And going back to that public health perspective, you know, content is culture and culture is content. And what is in that content makes a huge difference to how people perceive cannabis, to how people are going to be educated about cannabis, um, you know, choosing the type of cannabis that makes the most sense to them. And so in the beginning, we actually built an influencer platform, kind of going back to my time at in pro and celeb at poker stars. And, okay. you know, again, understanding that influencers were essentially where people were consuming content and they had the ability to educate change as well as, you know, be again, a direct path to consumers. Mm -hmm. But what we realized is that the compliance aspect was actually much more important than trying to kind of reach table stakes with other influencer platforms. Mm -hmm. And so I'm happy to say, as you mentioned, just days old, we've launched highlight. And that again, is just the AI platform that really looks at content to make sure you're, uh, you're in compliance with state regulations and platform guidelines. Absolutely. 
So cannabis companies are unwittingly playing Russian roulette with every piece of content they post, risking not only their ability to communicate with their followers, but their credibility. Who said that? (laughs) <laughs> that would be me and my team. I, you know, we are, again, we're working on all of those things. But again, that's really what it comes down to. Because if you think, even if we think about compliance right now in our industry, right, you have operational compliance, you have financial compliance, you have, you know, we know, we all know about metric, right? We all right. know about that. But the marketers here are being challenged equally. They are actually have some of the most public facing compliance you know, risk, if you will, or vulnerabilities. And, you know, to stay top of mind with consumers, they have to post content every single day. So if you're thinking about these brands having to number one, invest in making this content. And again, also having to post this content all the time, but then also most of the compliance teams are really focused on operational compliance. Marketers are not getting the support that they need to be able to, number one, be effective at marketing, but number two, to make sure that they are not risking and jeopardizing all of the investment those marketing dollars have been building up to um, from losing their account if they haven't done the right thing by Instagram's community guidelines. Oh, that's, that is so absolutely uh, true. How has uh, Highlight been received uh, to in the community? Uh, really well so far. So we're very yeah. grateful and very lucky that, you know, again, you know, people have really received it well. And again, I think marketers and actually compliance teams alike have received it really well. You know, we like to say that, you know, compliance teams and marketers are sometimes like chalk and cheese, right? You've got (laughs) marketers who are trying to do things as quickly as possible because those content cycles are so difficult. And then, you know, compliance teams are actually there to slow things down and make sure that, you know, again, everything is going to be compliant or low risk. And so again, our software is really there to support people and it's speeding up that process, but slowing them down at the same time, right? So we provide really in-depth reports like, hey, this is going to be at risk in California for these reasons. You know, you might want to look at that content. But another thing too is, again, content is an investment, right? It costs money to generate. It takes time to generate. And it's important that compliance starts from the very beginning. And that's been a message that we firmly believe in. As I mentioned, poker stars, day one, they make you, you know, read regulatory newsletters. Right. But it's also really important to support these marketers and understanding compliance from the very beginning. So let's say someone has a flat lay, they want to see if the contents are going to be at risk or not. They can upload that into our platform and get a report in real time before they invest heavily in the creative side of things. That's, that's, that's beautiful. So you tell them how to fix it before they mess up. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love that. That, that is, that is saving money. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That is saving money. Yeah. That is that's getting it right. And and also as they do this, it's like it's like exercise, right? They they become smarter. Yes. About exactly. how to do it the right way, right? We actually have an Instagram health check report, uh-huh. which I think is the most compelling and people have been especially keen on that because again, we know how much Instagram has been, again, the most necessary marketing tool, but sometimes the most painful one for our industry. Of course. Why wouldn't and, it be? You know, I mean, that makes so much sense. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, again, so we look at published content as well. Yeah. So we kind of have one side where you can upload the content as you're working on it and checking it. And then you've got the other side where published content on your Instagram can be reviewed automatically by our AI um, all the time. And so that means that, you know, in case the regulations do change, you yeah. know, you can trust that, you know, maybe something that was low risk yesterday is now high risk today. You can see that and kind of take those down before there's an issue. Oh, that's terrific. That is terrific. So entrepreneur, 
you got this hot product out there. People are latching on to tell me about some of your critical challenges in running a business. A team. <laughs> a team. <laughs> you know, I think we were chatting about this a little bit offline, but again, yeah. you know, no one ever gets here on their own. Right. Yeah. And, you know, look, we're building compliance software. I don't think a lot of people are like, yes, I really want to work. on. Comp- I mean, I love it. But, you know, <laughs> there's not many people who want to, you know, work on that. But again, we're very fortunate. You know, a lot of yeah. our team members are passionate and understand that, you know, what we're doing around content really is also about community, about culture and public health and all of those yeah. things. And, and social health, if you will. And so, but, you know, it's always a challenge finding the right team members who are willing to be passionate and drive towards those things. And so I would say it's always the team because again, no one gets here on their own. You oh, no, no. How are you doing it? How, how are you getting the folks that, because it's all about getting the right people and the right time. And, and you know, as the leader of, of this venture, right? You got to know that, Folks really, when they take a job, they really want to know what does that job do for them? Right. Who does it make them? Who does it make them become, right? Uh, by having that opportunity. How, how are you making that happen in your process? I think number one, both my co-founder and I truly believe in what we're doing. And yeah. we believe in, again, the impact that this has at scale, right? So beyond kind of the business impact, we believe, again, in what we're doing for the community. And so whether those are digital or offline communities. And so that's been a big part of, you know, before we actually made quite a few mistakes and really focusing much more on technical talent, sure. you know, just the technical side of talent. Mm-hmm. But now it's actually part of our own mandate to, you know, we have to really understand what their attitude is, how they like to communicate, yeah. you know. Um, and so we have iterated even on our process of talk of who we talk to, right? Because before, you know, someone may have scored really well on the technical test, but right. at the end of the day, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're a collaborative team member. And again, these things, no one does anything here on our own. I think one of the great things is that we do try to encourage our team members that they're, we want them to grow with us. And, you know, we want to support them through their careers as well. And so we always try to make sure there's an open door so that if they have questions about their career, that, you know, this is something that we're building together, not just amnesia or highlight by amnesia, but also their careers. Well, that is 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 awesome, and you. That's a big learning you made. It's just not about the techno. It's a technical concept, and this is what you're doing: is you're building, you know, software, and you're making it smarter uh, all and all the time. But the collaboration between the individuals that are doing the work is so rich. You always want to make one plus one equals three, right? All the time, <laughs> right? You, right? Yeah, so, startups, so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it's 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 that wacky math of of uh, of of relationships and and collaboration and chemistry and and that all makes the magic, right? That all makes the magic and makes everybody smarter and everybody a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. This has been terrific. Uh, been terrific spending time with you, Courtney. Um, I'm Vern Davis. This has been Plant Profits. And my guest today has had a great time, great discovery conversation with Courtney Wu. Now, Courtney is the CEO and she is the co-founder of Highlight by Amnesia. And uh, they just launched this Highlight product, this AI product that is making us, you know, smarter. 
folks that are launching and trying to create brands and branding is a big opportunity in the cannabis space. And this is a necessary tool and necessary data points to do it the legal way so that you can continue to do it. And that's really, really, really important. And I want to thank all of you for joining us here in Plant Profits. And I want you to know that you can download new episodes of Plant Profits. And I want you to do this. And please uh, find this episode with Courtney Wu. Uh, and you can find these, you know, we're, we're podcasts. You can go to CannabisRadio.com. You can go to Apple. You can go to Spotify. Anywhere, iHeart, anywhere you get a podcast, Plant Profits is there. Please look us up. Really appreciate that. And you can also follow my company, Protus Global through our presence on social media networks, including LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of those platforms, we are there. And you can really learn how we are building companies like Courtney's company, right? How we're changing people's lives, like the folks that she's bringing in to that business uh, to help her create something very special for this industry. And uh, Protus Global, dot com is p-r-o-t-i-s global.com until next time i'm Vern davis you've been listening to plant profits i'm your host cheers The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.